Welcome to another abiding thought. Um, one of the one of the effects, one of the lingering effects of uh, word faith teaching that became popular, really popular, in the seventies, uh, I would say, and really took off perhaps late mid to late seventies, early eighties. And by uh, process, word faith, the idea that if you have enough faith and you can speak and change your own reality, it became known as prosperity gospel. And there were a number of books that were written about that uh, transition in contemporary Western uh, Christian thinking. But uh, as these different phases uh, occur, there's usually lingering, lasting effects of those changes, even as um, we get more, whether it's a matter of us getting used to their presence on the stage or whether uh, the moment passes out, but it leaves its marks like revivalism, the period of revivalism and by revivalism, uh, that meant special camp meetings from the 19th century uh, where people would gather for these religious meetings for the purpose of evangelism, etc. And even though the camp meeting itself phased out, what ended up happening is local churches would have a week of revival or set a, a set a period of time for quote unquote special revival meetings. And even as those pass out, even though those those things still occur uh, today in some church traditions, they have a week of revival. And that's the carryover from revivalism, special camp meetings for religious purposes and especially for evangelism. But even if we don't have the actual revival meetings, one of the, um, a number of the consequences or the lingering effects of revivalism is the invitation. Um, we, that's when we have the quote unquote opening the doors of the church extending an opportunity for a special invitation uh, for, for sinners to make a profession of faith. It comes out of the revival system. The point is this, when there are shifts in religious thinking that have broad impact, even what, one of two things happens. Either the moment or those things will phase out of the way. In other words, they don't exist. We don't have revival camp uh, camp meetings like we did in the uh, 19th century and into the early 20th century. But even when the moment or the fad passes, elements of those moments linger. And I go back to word faith. One of the things that happened out of the word faith explosion, prosperity gospel is the way we use Christian jargon, particularly faith. I don't know, and I'm maybe I don't know enough, but I don't know if faith became, was ever used the way that it was used from the word faith prosperity people. I don't know if there's ever been a time where it's been used in such a way. Here's what I mean. Faith was assumed to be a power that if you have enough faith, then you can bring this into existence. You can do that. So in other words, it becomes a power by which we can accomplish certain things. The other thing about it, and there is something, and part of this is true in terms of faith being subjective. Uh, in historical Protestantism, we say that faith has three elements 
or three uh, three components. There is a knowledge, a body of truth or a knowledge that is to be, that is communicated. And then there is agreement with that knowledge. And then there is trust based on what you, the, the knowledge and your agreement with it, in which case that constitutes saving faith. In that case, faith always has an object. So it's, it's faith in something. It's faith about or in someone. But the way the word faith movement defined faith is that it remained a subjective ability or power. Now, obviously, if one, if an individual has saving faith, to that degree, saving faith is itself subjective. In other words, it's, it's trust that you have as an individual in the message of the gospel, in the person of Jesus Christ. In that case, it is, it is your response to that truth about Jesus, whether or not you believe that he is the son of God and you trust him for your eternal salvation. That's the subjective, objective aspect of faith. Faith was never understood to be a power throughout uh, the, the early years of the church and I would say probably up until the rise of prosperity thinking. But, but it's surprising to me from, as I interact with people that so many people that would never, never consider themselves word faith. But the way they talk about faith is just like a person who's in word faith. That's the amazing thing. That's one of the reasons it was so surprising in the early 2000s. When the book came out, The Prayer of Jabez. And this came from a very conservative, highly respected teacher, Bible teacher among conservative evangelicals. Some would even say, I, I think he may have even been reformed. But in any event, it was a highly respected teacher, previous Bible teacher. And he says in the introduction of that book, here is a prayer that if you learn how to pray it, God will always answer it. And it, it, the whole point of that book is that if you have this kind of faith and articulate it in this sort of way, that it becomes a power. And that, become, that has become so prevalent among evangelical Christians that that's almost the only way that we talk about faith. As, and, and not only that, in fact, I did a conference a few years ago at a church and um, I talked about this and made the point that first, faith is first and foremost, as it talks about the individual saving faith. We begin with individual saving faith, but faith, saving faith itself is a gift of God. And saving faith is our ability to see ourselves as condemned and Christ as the Savior and recognize that it is only through him that we can be saved. That is saving faith. And then saving faith, therefore, is the basis of our individual situational faith. In other words, we have saving faith where we see Christ as our Savior, and then we reason from our faith into our various circumstances and situations. But faith is never, ever a power 
that emanates from us that causes God to act on our behalf. Faith is not us trusting that we have the ability to change anything. That's not what faith is. But I say that because that's the way a lot of Christians, otherwise conservative, Bible-believing Christians, when they hear the term faith, that's what they hear because that is, um, for whatever reason, that's been the dominant way that personal faith has been used in the last 40 or 50 years. And I think it is helpful to recognize there is, an, there is a subjective element of faith. Everyone who comes to Christ is awakened by the Holy Spirit and is given the gift of saving faith. And in that sense, saving faith is subjective. It is given to us individually through the regenerating work of the Spirit. But saving faith, subjective saving faith, is always connected to the object or the body of truth. From a Christian standpoint, objective faith, when the Bible speaks of the faith, it's speaking of an objective body of truth that we individually embrace. Example, in Jude, in Jude chapter, well, it's only one chapter, in verses 2 and 3, here's what Jude says. Um, Beloved, or, or peace, uh, may uh, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Blessed, uh, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, uh, to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to all the saints. Uh, Peter, in a very similar way, in Second Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith equal of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in those instances, what, what Peter is talking about when he says a faith of equal standing with ours, this is why it's important to delineate between objective and saving faith and never separate subjective faith from the objective faith. In other words, faith, even subjective, personal, saving faith is connected to the object of the person and work of Christ, which is, which is objective faith. So when Peter says here, Obtain, uh, speaks of obtaining a faith of equal standing. What he's saying is for all of those who agree with the same body of truth that we agree with are of equal standing in the righteousness of Christ. So in other words, brothers and sisters, it's important for us to never define faith as a personal power that extends from you and connects you to some privilege or special power from God. And understanding the objective body of truth that is the faith once delivered, it's what is, that's what grounds us. That's what grounds us in our position in Christ. That's what enables us to be fruitful to the glory of God because of the body of truth that was once delivered to all of the saints. 
So even though, and, and this is, um, I, I, I think I've used this quote once before, but um, Winston Churchill uh, talks about Americans and people, from, or, or people from the United States and people from Britain, and he said that we are two people divided by a common language. And I think that's true of many people who have open Bibles, but have not been grounded in the truth, or they come from faith traditions where they have not defined these things. So people are speaking Bible, and they are using terms that are lifted or extracted from the Bible, but they have different meanings uh, than what has once been delivered to us. And so this is one of the many reasons it's so important for Christians to know what we believe and why we believe it, believe it, and let that be the basis by which we determine what is true and not true, and therefore what to reject. So even when people are using familiar phrases, don't be, don't, don't feel embarrassed to say, "What do you mean by that?" Faith is a gift from God that allows us to to reach out and embrace the person and work of Jesus Christ as our Savior for our eternal salvation. And then faith plays itself out situationally because we are attached to Christ by faith. We are now able to walk as children of light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, living out our faith, uh, making application to all life situations because of our faith. That is, that is the subjective use of our being connected to the objective body of truth that is the faith that was once delivered. Faith is a gift from God to, to, to wretched, undeserving sinners by which we are able to attach ourselves to the righteousness of Christ for our eternal salvation. And the life of faith is living in light of what we hold to for our salvation. Thank you.